The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and you are listening to The Crowncast, the show where we talk about everything that has to do with the Charlotte FC. And you will have heard our cool little intro. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear our cool little intro? <laughs> yeah, we are part of the Queen City Podcast Network, and that means uh, we get a cool intro. And I, for one, am so excited. Uh, I'm so excited to be working with those people over there, and so excited to keep on doing what we're doing, talking about Charlotte FC. And uh, we, as ever, does mean that I am joined by Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. How you doing? I am really, really good. Um, you know, we talked previously about the fact that we are having some some changes in our systems, some changes in our software, and those changes ultimately will be for the better because it means you know we get to hopefully we get to spread our voice to a, a larger audience. For those of you who are just here for the first time, welcome to the Crowncast. For those of you who have been with us since the very beginning, uh, you know we are so excited to still have you. We hope you you see the way the show has grown. And uh, and we hope to produce roughly the same level of chaos for you all to enjoy. Uh, is that about fair, Justin? Yeah, you know, I think this is going to be uh, interesting, but it's still going to be us. Yep. Everything that you're used to, you're still going to keep getting. It's just going to be a little better. Yeah, just a little bit better. And uh, speaking of a little bit better, we have secret, secret news that uh, we can't tell you, but we do want you to know. <laughs> that big things are on the horizon. Uh, that is what we call a teaser here in what they call, quote, the business. Uh, so we hope that you all feel sufficiently teased. Uh, with that going on, Justin, we are going to talk and break down a little bit more on the uh, match versus the Columbus crew. And I think we just go straight into this one and yep. shoot right into the bad spot. And that is yes. the Christian Kalina giveaway. Do you want to walk us through what actually happens here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's what I think. And, and you know, I know that we talked in the post-react about how maybe Anton Walks could have done a little bit better for him and everything. But there's a, a good defensive coverage here from from Anton Walks, who plays the back pass. And, you know, it's a back pass into Christian Kalina's feet. Um, if we happen to have any listeners who aren't super familiar with uh, the sport of football and some of the rules – keepers can be used their hands in a lot of situations. The one time they can't is when the ball is deliberately played back to them by one of their teammates. So we're in a situation where Christian Kalina has to play the ball with his feet. And as we talked about in the post react, it's probably the weakest segment of his game. And he just takes a heavy touch. It, you know, any other player, any other position on the pitch, this is just a heavy touch that seeds can, you know, possession to the opposing team. It just so happens from the keeper, Right here, right in front of his goal, it gifts uh, the opposing team, uh, the Columbus crew in this situation, a uh, a goal. Yeah, it really does. And <clears throat> one of the things that we talked about in our previous discussions and, and we wanted to sort of go into is whether or not we played the Columbus crew well as a team. Because we talked about the fact that we went out there and we really tried to win this one. We tried to take this one for ourselves. And I think did a pretty good job of it. Um, I don't think we did spectacular, uh, but I don't think we did awful either. I'm trying to decide the way I want to put this from Christian Kalina because 
we give up a really, really bad moment there. Uh, you know, we talked about it before that it's just a bad touch. Justin, you talk about the fact that this isn't something we can expect him to do. I can go back and I can reference my standards, which I said, I think Christian Kalina, if he continues to learn how to be a modern keeper, is going to give away three or four of these in the season. We're not quite halfway through the season or just at halfway through the season, and he's given away two. Uh, I think we're going to see at least one more, probably two. And if I see three or four more of these, I'm going to start being concerned. But ultimately, we gift Columbus crew their goal. Is there really anything else to say about it, Justin? No, I don't think so. You know, it is it is a little bit frustrating, right? Because I, I think you're right in our post-react. We gave about a 6.5 across the board. Yeah. Um, I think maybe you can knock Kalina a little bit further down because of this moment. It's frustrating, though, because that 6.5, I think, was good enough to take the three points, if not for this one moment. Yeah, and I will say here, I went back, and uh, you guys know me, I love stats. I think stats are amazing. I went back, and if you take out that shot, uh, if you take out that freebie for Hurtado in this game, ultimately... Columbus Crew put up, instead of 1.4 expected goals, they put up 0.5 expected goals. That one chance is 0.9 expected goals. I mean, it's basically 90% of the time it's going to go in. And if you look at Charlotte's stats, uh, at least from what I have here in front of me, we also put up 0.5 expected goals. And... Really, I think what this tells me is that despite the fact the game felt kind of open, there weren't that many actually great chances. And maybe it says something to the effect of that Andrei Zhenyashinki deserves a little bit more credit than we had actually given him for his goal and also his target or his attempts that we did not approve of as much. Do we want to talk about the second goal, Justin? Is there anything else we want to say? No, I don't think there's anything else to say except... Latching on to your point about we we probably did deserve, you know, at least the the one one, if not more. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of credit to the the line in front of Kalina that their XG is so low. You know, otherwise, I think that the back four did a really stellar job, especially Guzman Carujo and Anton walks in the middle of the, the defense. Yeah, really, really showed up today, really showed out for for the whole team. And, uh, and we love them for doing so. We will now talk about the goal that we actually score and the one that I care about a heck of a lot more. Uh, and that is Andre Shinyashinki. And Justin, I think it's fair to say that Andre Shinyashinki has just come into this team and been revolutionary. I mean, do you have a better word for it, the way this guy is scoring goals? It's, it's what we needed. We needed a winger. You know, we talked about it at the beginning of the season when we were still playing under Ramirez, how we needed that player who could get us some width, who could make some attacking runs, who could be the threat. We were hoping that Ben Bender was going to get more time on the left to do it. I'm perfectly happy that Andre Shinyashiki is the one out there on the left doing it for us. Oh yeah, he's he's smoking it out there. I can't, you know, everyone and their brother and their sister and their mother and their stepmother and whatever knows that I'm a Ben Bender fan and I wouldn't take Andre Shinyashiki out to put him on the left. No way on earth. Um... He is, he is just too deadly out there, and he creates too much. But this one was one of those right place at the right time goals, and it comes from quite a few sort of things in the background that I think are a little bit of succession points. First off, 
I think part of the reason we get away with this goal is I think Columbus crew thought the ball was out. Um, I think they they saw the ball heading towards the the, the touchline and said there's no way that's going to stay in. And even if it's just for half a second, kind of turned off. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of credit to give to uh, Ben Bender, who busts his butt to keep that ball in and then makes a great pass in through to TD Ortiz. Uh, these are the margins, right? Like, yeah, Bender puts in a good pass, but that that second of a team going, okay, this is done, we can transition the other way, or okay, this is done, I can turn off, and Charlotte FC not doing that, not just Ben Bender. I mean, if T.D. Ortiz doesn't stay with this play, he's not there to receive the pass. If if Andre Shinyashinki doesn't stay with this play, he's not there to follow up on the touch. One team in that moment said, this isn't over yet, keep playing. And I think there's just a second of Columbus Crew going, this is over, let's let's switch to the next one. And I genuinely think that's a huge point of what does it. Justin, you had some questions on you know, how TD Ortiz handles the situation. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, he's put in by a good pass, right? And, and he's in a dangerous location, but the way the defense collapsed, the positioning of the keeper, I don't know that this is necessarily a, we talk a lot about XG and everything. I don't know that this is the, the shot that produces a lot of XG here for Charlotte. It does not. Um, Just just so I can go ahead and let you know, it does not produce a lot of XG. (laughs) But continue. I think I, I've got a uh, I've got a side up here that shows point zero four xg from this shot uh, by TDRTs. So you know it is one of those situations where I'm I am happier to see the teams you know pushing forward, taking the shot, stuff like that. I'm not super pleased about seeing a we are going to rely on a lucky bounce from the keeper to net the the equalizer here um i would rather see ttrt's as the attacking midfielder play the attacking midfielder pass which in my opinion here is slot it back across somewhere in the 18 you know you you slot to daniel rios making the run at the back post up close or you slot back to you know shinyashiki was obviously in a position towards the top of the 18 because that's where he collects this rebound and puts it home but I, I'm happy we score the goal. And I think that, that some of this, to be really honest and, and critique myself a little bit, is I'm not a big fan of TTRT's style of play. I think it tends to be a little bit more selfish than I'd like to see. Um, I, I might look for maybe a better decision in that situation. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter you just a little bit, and this is... Honestly, this is a bit strange because everyone knows I'm not a huge T.D. Ortiz fan either. You know, I think he's got a lot of energy. I think he's got a lot of fight. But I've never been a huge fan of the way it comes out on the field. I think I would have want, wanted whoever it was that got the ball in that situation to take a shot. I don't think, you know, ultimately he hits it right at the keeper and we get a lucky bounce off. But one of the things I think this team lacks is a willingness to just take the shot at the keeper or just take the shot on target and see what happens. I'm on the fence for this one. I think had that been any other player there, I would have gone, you know what? He backed himself. He took a shot. 
I'm fine with that. And as a result, I have to say that even when it's somebody who's not my first choice, he backed himself. He took a good shot. Not a great shot. He took a good shot. Uh, and he let the chips fall. And, you know, the, the all-time famous quote, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. He takes a shot here. He lets the chips fall. And ultimately, they fall in favor of Charlotte FC. So I have to be, I think, in my own mind when I rationalize it, I have to be okay with it. Will, real quick, because I don't want to spend too much time on this or anything, but I will counter your words with your words. Oh, no, don't do that. Uh, when we played, don't, don't when do we that. played New don't York Red that. Bull, the second goal we scored against New York Red Bull, you applauded Sergio Ruiz for going, this is a bad spot to try and take a shot. The defense is in position, the keeper is in position, and if I take the shot, it's a low percentage. I'm going to make the pass. Okay, I I will I will counter your counter with my counter. Uh, and for those of you out there counting, good luck. Uh, and that is, I think the ball that Sergio Ruiz plays in, against New York is a 100% goal chance. I, I think it is. No questions asked. And again, I praise him for the ability to look up. But... I think Sergio Ruiz did something excellent. I think he did something outstanding. I think he did an 11 out of 10 job in a tight situation. What I would expect of somebody who backs themselves in a situation where they were surrounded by defenders, where they were not able to get their head up, was to be willing to take a strong shot on target and make sure that what they did put it on target was correct. I'm not going to give T.D. Ortiz an 11 out of 10 for this. I'm going to give him a 6.5 out of 10 for this and say, hey, you did good. Like, for where you were on the pitch, you took a good shot. It was on frame. That's not bad, I think, is probably the way I'm going to I'm gonna state this. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, I think so. Again, I, I'm, I'm probably being extra harsh on T.D. Ortiz right now, so. Yeah, uh, so with the shocking revelation that I can, in fact, be reasonable... Uh, I I think we have to move on to the Andre Shinyashinki finish, and I think we're going to talk about two finishes here, maybe three, um, because he comes out with like .4 expected goals in this. He comes out with a goal in this very critically, and maybe we do this by talking about his first header chance, and you said in the post-react that you wanted to see a little bit better from that header chance. Can you walk us through what you would want to see there? So I referred to it in the post-react as a free header. And what I mean by that is is he's not actively under pressure in that moment. There's nobody leaning on him. Nobody's got an arm on him. Nobody is pushing him or pressing him. When nobody is touching you and you have the opportunity to get up, and granted, you know, Shin Yashiki is a lot of amazing things on that pitch. Tall, he is not. And there is nothing he can do about that. Um, uh, his but, his jump would say otherwise, but please continue. Well, his jump can can get him uh, absolutely some vertical. It still doesn't make him tall. That's true. Um, but he's not actively being impeded. He's not being leaned on anything like that. So he gets up with what we would consider a free header in what I think is a great position. It's towards the back post. At this point, the keeper is beaten if you put the ball on frame. Like the, the ball is past the keeper and it's going to be exceptionally difficult for him to get back and cover. Yeah. And 
Shin Yashiki just doesn't make good contact on a free header. And, and that should be, in my opinion, that's got to be one of the first bullets in a striker's gun is the ability to head the ball. You know, you want him to be able to put a shot on frame. You want him to be able to put a header on frame. And then, you know, it's nice if they can dribble the ball forward and take a man on. It's nice if they can play a pass. But you want them ultimately to be that target man in the box. And again, I'm going to disagree with you. Honestly, Justin, I just think you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know you know, I love you, buddy. Uh, so thinking about what happened there, I think that what we saw there was Andre Shinyashinki aiming. And I don't think he did a, a spectacular job. I think he aims the ball too tight. I think he's, he thinks in his own mind he has to hit the top corner in order to have a real chance at scoring. And his margin of error there allowed for a 50% chance that it misses the frame entirely. And I think you are right about the fact that the keeper was probably beaten in that moment. I think if he... I, I don't think it was as scuffed as it looked. I think he's trying to hit a very small mark knowing it could miss and go wide. And I do think it's probably fair to say that he should be aiming a little bit more sort of central and down of the goal because if it goes in two feet you know, left of that post and two feet down of the crossbar, I think it's still probably a goal there. And then the wide miss that ultimately does happen probably finds the top corner of the net. You know, do you see where I'm coming from? No, I mean, I absolutely, and, and I will say that like, I'm come, I may be coming across harsh here. I feel like I'm saying this a lot in this particular pod, but uh, I don't think this is a truly awful miss. I would like to see him do better. I understand that like, Putting the ball on frame with your foot is is still light years easier than putting the ball on frame with your head. Well, I do, want, you know. I do want you to know you are on brand as being this sort of rough and tumble, <laughs> I hate everyone guy on the podcast. So so well done. You're keeping it up. Um, no, that's, that's not true. Uh, sometimes you're even a nice one. Sometimes. Sometimes. We will move on to the second shot, which does go in. I think the way we talk about this is that he uh, reads the situation very well. He sees the opportunity. He slots at home. It's not as easy as he made it look. It's slightly more challenging than he made it look, and credit to him. Well done. Uh, is there anything you want to tack yeah. onto that? I mean, it's it's on a tough bounce, and one thing about that is if if you take the touch, and this this statement is equally true if... TDRT plays a ball across to Andre Shinyashiki, or, you know, it's a, a ricochet and then a rebound in for the goal. If you take a touch and settle that ball, the defense resets and covers it. Mm -hmm. And so he did what he needed to do there to score that goal. Um, and and I, I, I love it. I'm thrilled that it goes in. Uh, we, we may have only had a point or a, a point five XG. I feel like we deserved a goal in that match. Yeah, and I think that one thing that we're going to talk about that doesn't even count on the XG because it was not on target is his third opportunity late in the game. He gets played in. Again, uh, the Columbus crew, I think, has a moment of turnoff. And uh, the only way you can say it is Andre Shinyashinki does not turn off. He keeps playing and really catches the defense out, finds himself acres of space wide open a good ball passed into him green grass in front and only the keeper to beat i understand we're in extra time at this point 
I understand that there is enough time that this can't be reflex. You know, a lot of the thing that makes people so good is when they can just do things they've done a million times by reflex. reflex. And Andre Shinyashinki gets this ball, and he has time to think about it. He has time to go, oh, man, I see the keeper coming at me. All I have to do is slide it around him, and we win this game. Uh, this could be, I could score the goal that will be the first, that will be the winner of the first ever away game in Charlotte FC history. That could be my name in lights and just slides it wide of the post. I think we have to talk about how good of a chance that actually was and how angry we should be at Andrei Shinyashinki for not finishing it. You think that's fair, Justin? Yeah, it, it is definitely the sort of situation that you should, I I think as a striker you should score in that situation. Yeah. So I 8 times out of 10. 8 like 8 times out of 10 minimum. I think you should be able to score in that situation. Yeah, and maybe the the 2 out of 10 just comes up and bites us here. I will tell you because uh, regular listeners regular listeners will know that I was a goalkeeper for a significant significant portion of my time playing football. They tell goalkeepers in training that if you get one-on-one, close the goal down as best you can, but no one will ever give you trouble for not saving that because that situation is heavily in the favor of the attacker. Um, They have control of the ball. All they have to do is tap it around you. There's nothing you can do except make it as challenging as possible, and that's what the keeper does. Uh, Andre Shinyashenki... I'm not going to kill him for it. I'll be honest. I think in the big times, that chance goes away six or seven out of ten times. I'm not quite sure it's eight out of ten. But I I do think that more often than not, that chance should go away. And that hurts because we have seen the finishing quality of Andre Shinyashenki. And, you know, just once, I say just once, we obviously needed it once before to get us to the point where we're at. But, man, I bet he wants that one back. And... I think every every Charlotte FC fan out there wants that one back. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and the thing about it is, like, more than anything else, it would have been nice to have the three points on the road, right? I want Andre Shinyashiki to have the confidence that putting that away would have brought for him in terms of being able to put away the second one, being able to put away the third one. You know, going forward, what I'm concerned about, what I don't want for him is you know maybe some of that doubt to start creeping in because that's killer on that's killer on a striker that they are they are confidence players you know i talked about it earlier this season about wanting swiderski to take the the penalty instead of Fuchs just for the confidence and i would have loved andre shinyashiki to put that effort away uh to you know get the three points and get the confidence yeah, so uh, we're going to move along here because uh, I will tell you, for me, I don't think the confidence is going to be a factor for him right now. I think the way he's playing, I'm not going to say he's riding on a confidence high, but I-, I think he is playing very well, and I cannot imagine that that miss with what he has done so far is going to damage his his standing in his own mind, much less his standing in anyone else's mind. Yeah. So, so we push on, and we are going to talk about the big winners and the big losers from the game under Latanzio so far. I think there have been matches. 
Yeah, two, we're, two we're matches. Two matches in. It's time to make big decisions. It is. I am here for it. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that these are finalized, but I am <laughs> going to say that we have seen some things that that clearly matter, and and they're going to get tossed up again as players come back from international. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Big winners under Latanzio so far. I think the one we have to point out that there's just no way to talk around is Anton Walks. Uh, this Absolutely. guy, he's coming to the center of our defense. He has basically solved our defensive problems. I mean, uh, as a, I don't want to say a smaller squad, unless you are Manchester City and are owned by Sheikh Mansour and have so much money that you just can't, you can't not spend it. You know, you're just going to spend on everything. Nobody in the world, with the exception of maybe PSG as well, has a backup to a position that is just as good as the superstar they want in that position, right? Nobody does. Even yeah. even Liverpool, who has won, is most recently won the Premier League with the exception of the super money, you know, uh, Chelsea and Man City. Having a backup to a position that is just as good and can rotate out cleanly, smoothly, and intelligently is gold. It so rarely happens. And right now, I'm looking at this team, and I think Anton Walks is almost as good or as good as Guzman Corujo. I think Anton Walks is as good or maybe better than Christian Fuchs. I think Christian Fuchs, Anton Walks, and Guzman Corujo are light years away uh, from Christian McCoon. And yeah. you talked about this previously. I don't know how this guy hasn't seen the field yet, but he looks super good right now. And in my brain, Latanzio has seen that. He has said, okay, I have a rotational back three now of Guzman Corujo, Anton Walks, and Christian Fuchs. And as long as two of the three are healthy, I'm a happy guy. I mean, this I think I think he's the biggest winner of of Latanzio's reign so far. Do you want to do you want to talk about him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it is more than anything else the biggest indictment of the Miguel Angel Ramirez era in Charlotte that Anton Walks wasn't getting more minutes in this side cuz you don't just show up and play this well you know, without it showing up in the, the training pitch as well. You know, they saw this. Latanzio obviously saw it during training. You, one would think Ramirez saw it too. Ramirez's decision apparently was to say, I'm going to ignore that that exists. I'm going to ignore that that happened. Like, Anton Walks couldn't make the bench most matches under Miguel Angel Ramirez. And so one has to wonder, like, I don't know. Did Anton Walks do something that really pissed off Ramirez? Uh, that's if all he I did, can think of. If he did, that's just more evidence that we made a good decision moving on from Miguel Angel Ramirez because I, I, you you put the best 11 that you can on the pitch if you're managing the squad. And not putting Anton Walks on the pitch before now means that we weren't doing that. Yeah, and, and I want to point something out here. I think that we have all tossed around the idea, and we have certainly talked on the podcast that Christian McCoon was being groomed uh, 
as a young defender to become a great defender, right? That that was we we were looking at his potential future, and I still think that can be true. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that's true by him going out on loan somewhere, but I still think he could grow into a spectacular defender. But my statement was that Christian McCoon is 22 years old. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to learn. We're going to grow through these young players. I'm okay with that. I was okay with it then. I still am. That's my hope for this team is that we become great by growing young talent, right? But if you look at Guzman Corujo, his birthday is he was born in 1996. He's 25 years old, right? He's three years older than Christian McCoon. He's not 32. And for those of you who are regulars in the sport of football, 25 is like entering prime, is like the very beginning prime of a center back. And if you look at Anton Walks, he was born in 1997. He's also 25 years old. Yeah. So that means that the pairing back there right now, if it maintains Anton Walks and Guzman Corujo, is two players who could form a partnership that keeps going for eight years. I mean, there are 33-year-olds who very effectively play center back in the MLS, right? If these two guys, with the skills that they have shown, continue to grow together and build you know, a bond, a partnership, a pairing where they trust each other, the future potential that I was referencing with Christian McCoon I mean, uh, look at the future potential of these guys. Where will they be in two years? right? Where will they be in three years? Because hopefully they're buddies. Like Hopefully they're off playing card games with each other and really getting to know each other because we could have the start of something really special. And I don't think Anton Walks ever sees this if Christian Latanzio doesn't pull him out. Yeah. Uh, Justin, do you want to tack anything onto that or have I waxed lyrical enough? No, I mean I'm 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 continue to be excited about the presence of Anton Walks and and I think it comes at a opportune time for us to with Christian Fuchs still dealing with uh, some sort of niggling injuries that are keeping him out. I think ultimately we can also say relatively quickly that this comes at the cost of Christian McCoon. I, I can't it see does. I you can't know, see Christian talk losers. Fuchs not being a part of this squad. I think this comes at Christian McCoon's shirt number. Yeah, if if we talk losers from from this, then you gotta list McCoon. He still made the bench, you know, against the, uh, Col- against Columbus, right? He was an unused substitute, I think. Yep. Uh, I and that's so, right, yeah. so you know, uh, it, it it. But I think it does, and I think an, another same sort of position, but another minor winner coming out of this might be Jan Subasinski, because he keeps making the bench. And coming in as late substitute where, you know, Christian McCoon didn't even get a chance to sub in. uh, Yeah, I haven't seen a ton out of him that makes me really jump at him one way or the other. But, I mean, even if it's just a matter of preference of the coach, he does come out a winner. Um, Let's move on to another one who I think is for sure a winner so far in this system but might have questions coming up shortly. And uh, that is Harrison. Or let's know. Actually, let's do Mackenzie Gaines. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's looked electric for a couple of matches here. He's looked energetic, the same kind of Mackenzie Gaines that we saw in those Open Cup matches, making mm-hmm. runs, uh, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of pace. 
some of the same growing pains, right? In terms of uh, sometimes the passing is mm, a little suspect. Sometimes the that's, passing is... That's a very is, polite way to put it. Well, but, but you know, it's counteracted by the pass that he sent against New York Red Bull to spring Daniel Rios free is an inch perfect outside of the boot pass. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's luck. I don't know. But he has the confidence and apparently the skill to pull that that particular pass off that particular time. Yeah. Um, uh, I think one so, of the things, uh, real quick, I think one of the things we've talked about with Mackenzie Gaines is that his speed is lightning. He's really fast. Um, he has an incredibly good touch of the ball. You know, if you listen to previous podcasts, you'll hear me say that his ability to control a ball that is just absolutely fired at him is next to magical. I mean, it's very difficult to describe how he can just take a ball that is rocketed at him and all of a sudden it be under control at his feet. Uh, I think I might be a little bit less up on his passing than you are. I feel like the big challenge I have seen is that when he gets the ball, he does not know how to pass it. He doesn't know how to get it off to the next player. And... I really feel like he would be a super valuable, very high-end player if his ability to connect next to his teammate followed that beautiful technique and touch that he has because because he clearly has it. Now I want to see him use that to give the ball back, right? And Justin, please continue because I know I kind of cut across you there. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I agree with you. There are occasions where he can pull off a brilliant pass, but but it seems more like the exception that sort of proves the rule. Yeah. Um, that said, this is not a player that I don't want to see the rest of the season or anything like that. This is, you know, even if he doesn't keep his place going forward, anything like that. If you were to bring this kind of speed on at 70, 75 minutes in Charlotte summer, when players are gassed after running in 95 degree heat. Yep. And you let you, you just cut McKenzie Gaines loose at him. He's going to cause problems for a defense and he's going to cause the kind of problems that leave the kind of spaces that mean his passing is maybe not a big deal anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, he'll have room to pass the ball instead of trying to fit into a tight window or anything. So I'm going to move us to uh, Harrison awful because I think Harrison awful obviously comes out of a winner of Christian Latanzio system and at the cost of Jalen Lindsay. And I think there's a lot of talking points here. Harrison Awful comes yeah. in. He takes his chance. He has played well. I have never thus far in the two matches looked at Harrison Awful and gone, I feel like he's not getting it done. I have also never looked at him and gone, man, that's game-changing. Why is this guy keeping Jalen Lindsay completely out of the side? Justin, I mean, do you have thoughts here? I mean, I don't really. I think maybe there were some questions towards the end of Ramirez's reign about there were times maybe where Lindsay looked like he could occasionally dog it a little bit, but but I'm reaching so hard yeah. saying that to try and find something that explains what is keeping Jalen Lindsay and that, that skill and those young legs on the bench in favor of Harrison Awful. There's a mailbag thing up on the, the Charlotte FC website today about the inverted fullbacks, everything like that. But I don't see anything about Jalen Lindsay's game that says he can't play an inverted fullback position, you know, tucking inside and supporting uh, the transition into the midfield, you know, continuing that, that push forward. I think some of our best goal scoring opportunities early in the season are from Jalen Lindsay pushing forward and pushing forward, 
you know, inverted and sort of inside of the winger. There, uh, there's a situation I seem to remember where Daniel Rios got the ball out wide, and it was Jalen Lindsay that made the the interior channel run uh, inside of uh, Daniel Rios, took the pass, and then got it over to Swiderski. And I think Swiderski had a really nice shot from it. I don't know that it necessarily scored a goal. Yeah. But I don't know why Jalen Lindsay is sitting right now as much as he is. Like, even if you say Harrison Awful might understand the position a little bit better, why isn't Jalen Lindsay coming in before the 90th minute? Yeah, especially especially when the team looks gassed and nobody will deny Jalen Lindsay's energy, right? Nobody out there can be like, Jalen Lindsay's slow and doesn't run. No, Jalen Lindsay is hyper fast and has thus far run his butt off for the club. Uh, and you got to kind of wonder, is is Jalen Lindsay to Christian Latanzio what Anton Walks was to Miguel Angel Ramirez? I don't know, but... I, I hope not. I Questions have got to be asked about what's going on, because I don't think that Jalen Lindsay... Jalen Lindsay is too talented to be on the bench as much as he is. So to sort of target focus this here... I'm going to say I think that there is a reasonable chance that Harrison Awful is just always a 6.5 out of 10. I've never seen him put anything other than a 6.5 out of 10 on the field. Never. Right? And it could just be that Latanzio in that particular position just wants consistency. He He knows that that is a problem area. And just wants to know that he can tinker with everything else, but that section of the field he's not going to have to worry about. It will be a 6.5 out of 10. I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, so we talk about, once again, player age and where they are in their career and what they are they are looking to become. And Harrison Awful is, what, Justin, 34, 35? He's 35, yeah. He's 35. And how old is Jalen Lindsay? Uh, I think he just turned 21, I think. Something. 21? Yeah, something in the really, really young category. And I think that we would both agree Jalen Lindsay hasn't been putting up threes out of tens. Every now and then he'll put up a 4.5 out of 10. But he'll also occasionally put up a 9.5 out of 10. And... I think that we're getting probably an average of Jalen Lindsay that gives us a 7, 7, 5 out of 10. Whereas I feel like Harrison Awful is currently putting up that 6.5 out of 10 every single time. And I realize there's deviation. There's a there's further deviation using Jalen Lindsay. But that's the only thing that a week's worth of seriously considering it could come up with is that right now, Latanzio does not want that inconsistency. He wants to look at that part of the field and be, that's going to be okay. It's not going to be great. It's going to be okay. What do you think about that? Yeah, maybe. You know, I, I'm not 100% sure. I Maybe it's maybe it's a, a system change, right, where we are pushing forward a little bit more. And maybe he trusts, you know, Harrison Awful to play a little bit further back. Uh, and and be a little bit more prepared to handle the break than Jalen Lindsay. I'm again. I'm just grasping at straws because like, and I, I like Harrison awful defensively. Everything like that. I think he maybe takes a few too many shots offensively. There are there are situations in the attack where I would like to see Harrison awful play the ball 
to a more offensively minded player than than he might be. Yeah. Uh, for the shot. And I want to be perfectly clear. In my opinion, Jalen Lindsay has done nothing to lose the shirt. Right. Yeah. But I also want to be perfectly clear. Harrison Awful has done nothing to lose the shirt. Right. It is. If all of a sudden these guys were playing one half a piece because Christian Latanzio wanted them to compete for the spot and drive both of and drive their skill levels up together, uh, I feel like I would understand that. Right? I'd be like, "Look, both of these guys are comparable. They're it's it's experience, it's youth. We're going to try and develop both." I, I don't understand it's a chess the chess piece thing. Yeah, I don't you know, understand a, the crazy reliance on Jalen Lindsay, followed immediately by two games of we won't use him. Yeah, if it's a chess match sort of move where you're saying, oh, we're going up against, uh, you know, a craftier veteran in the league. You know, we're going up against the uh, like the Kate Kamara's or, or the Sasha questions or, you know, some of these guys who have been around for years and your familiarity with the league, your familiarity with the game, it, how it's played in MLS, everything like that might be more valuable than your foot speed or your ability to get, you know, uh, a, a truly great tackle and stuff like that. Maybe that's when you're using Harrison Awful. Not to say you can't put a good tackle in, but, okay. you know, so I don't I'm, know. I'm going to push us on here um, because yeah. we are way deep into this one. And that's, that's yeah. what happens. That's what happens when you love football and you get interesting stuff to talk about. Um, the other interesting thing we have to talk about is our sponsor, AHA Disc Golf Shack. Uh, if you've been with the podcast for any period of time, uh, you know that we are sponsored by a local company, AHA Disc Golf Shack, and that Charlotte is a fantastic place to play disc golf. If you would like to get into that, please look up AHA, A-H-A, Disc Golf Shack, and talk to Aaron if you mention our name. He's going to give you a discount on getting you started or a discount on whatever gear you need to go out and play. Uh, Justin, we are quite deep so let's take the news and yeah. let's try and do it in like eight milliseconds yeah let's do the quick run around on some some key news for charlotte fc first of all uh we have a match coming up july 9th against nashville here in charlotte they are doing something we've always wanted they're opening part of the upper bowl uh we've got some tickets starting at 20 dollars, going up to about 30 uh for those upper bowl seats it's an opportunity for those families maybe if you haven't had a chance to make it to a match uh, you can make it to a match in the upper bowl. You can get a chance to watch the the game kind of from that bird's eye view. And if it goes well, might happen again more. Uh, the other ticketing news that, that we wanted to touch on real quick is if you have a .edu mail address, that is if you are still a student uh, or have access to a student email address, um, you can now get some uh, online. They're selling some student tickets. These are lower bowl tickets. Uh, it's limited numbers, just like the box office tickets that you can get. Uh, that are that are fifteen dollars, but uh, yeah, it's the um, hot goal summer is what they're calling it on the the Charlotte FC website, and you can get a few tickets. Uh, it's limited numbers every week, but fifteen dollars uh, per ticket uh, for the match. And then the last thing, real quick, for us to discuss in the news area is MLS All Star voting has opened up on the MLS uh, soccer or website. You can go to the Charlotte FC website and uh, find it too. Um, it's up there. You can go out and vote for players. Uh, they've got it sort of broken out positionally, everything like that. But, uh, yeah, let's go see if we can get some, some Charlotte FC players into the MLS All-Star squad. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, if nobody else you feel like on the, the team is deserving, I think Christian Kalina is. So, yeah. uh, if nothing else, go vote for the guy between the sticks because he's earned it. 
uh, I am going to give us a little bit more to talk about uh, before we sign off for the day. And that is there are players coming back from international break. We have questions, right? Yeah. One of the ones that comes up here is Mackenzie Gaines has been given an opportunity. But I don't think anyone pre-switched to Latanzio thought that Mackenzie Gaines was going to be the guy. His entrance into the team comes at the most likely cost of Kamil Yazwiak. Now, the reason I did not list Kamil Yazwiak in one of the loser section under Latanzio is he hasn't been here yet. Um, he hasn't been available to play, so we don't really know whether Latanzio just likes Mackenzie Gaines more. This is all well, on you, Justin. I, I'm going to give you this so we sort of so, keep it short. Here's the question. So Joswiak makes the bench against Columbus, but he doesn't get used. He was just back from international, though, like two oh, yeah. days before or something like that. Fair. Um, so I, I'm going to give you the question here. You are the coach. You are Latanzio. Are you sticking with Mackenzie Gaines based on the performances he has given you so far, or are you pulling him out for the lightning speed and expectation that comes along Kami Oswiak? Personally, I think Yazwiak has similar speed to Gaines and has a more rounded game. I think the most likely thing, in my opinion, is is that Yazwiak does take that winger spot back. Yeah. Um, I think the most likely thing is that's maybe not this match against Montreal this weekend. Really? Uh, you think it'll be? Reason... You think it'll be another match? Well, so here's the thing. The reason you switch managers at the international break, right, is because that gives you a long break to, to change the system up and get players acclimated to the new system, except the players who leave on international break. That's true. Those so players haven't the had players who yet. aren't here haven't had the training sessions yet. But, um, you know, I think that maybe maybe it's this weekend, maybe it's next weekend, but, but Kamil Yazwiak, I think, takes this takes this starting position back uh, before too much longer. I think with the, the understanding, right, that he's on the, you might get pulled at 70 minutes almost every match for Mackenzie Gates. Yeah, that this shirt number isn't yours, no question. Uh, okay, I think that's a fair way to put that. So I'm going to move us on to what I think is the bigger talking point. And that is, at the risk of sounding awful, Carol Swiderski has not been a part of our, what most people would consider, most effective attacking days. I would also say, Daniel Rios, I don't think anyone thinks is our most effective center forward. (laughs) So, as Swiderski comes back, you know, we talked about whether or not he had lost some confidence and wasn't able to find the back of the net. We haven't seen him play in Latanzio's system yet, but there is something to talk about that we were saying, hey, we're starting to have questions of Carol Swiderski, right? We know who Rios is, and I I feel like this almost mirrors our earlier talk that Rios is going to give you a 6, 6.5 every game, no questions asked, right? We know exactly what's going to come with Rios. I feel like we don't fully understand Carol Swiderski, and I feel like a little bit of the book is out on him that that you can body him off of the ball. Again, Justin, you are Christian Latanzio. Carol Swiderski is coming back. You have had two effective attacking performances with Daniel Rio sitting in that top spot. Are you putting Carol Swiderski back in the team? I think I am 
if only because the Columbus match showed me that that we need a finisher. And honestly, the Red Bull match did a little bit to me too. We should have won Red Bull 4-0. You know, there were a couple of other situations, again, like this last situation with, with Shin Yashiki, that, that we need some more ice water in the veins up front. And I think that the type of counterattacking football that we've seen I think if you put Carol Swiderski on the end of that pass from Jordi Alcivar that Andre Shinyashiki had in extra time against Columbus, I feel better about Carol Swiderski putting that one away because I think that gives Carol Swiderski the time to touch the ball into a place that he's comfortable taking the shot from. And I think that that's where Carol Swiderski is the most dangerous. Daniel Rios does something very well, and a lot of times it's really important. He holds the ball up well, and he makes the short passes in tight space well. I don't know that we are in a situation with this squad right now where that matches the style of play that the mo the majority of the time we want to be played. I think, again, it's a great thing to have a Daniel Rios around for that 75th 80th minute sub where you know you're trying to especially when you're trying to like kill the game or or maybe break the deadlock a, a player up front who can hold a long pass and let the rest of the team surge forward can be a great asset i think the majority of the time the way christian latanzio wants this side to play he wants to break the back line with a pass and have some people running and i think carol swiderski is better for that yeah, I do think Carol Swiderski is going to find his way back into this team. I think he's going to come back to this team with question marks. Um, again, I think that we have gone to what I will actually consider a pretty healthy place, where I think a lot of people don't feel like they're guaranteed a spot in the squad anymore. I think a lot of people feel like they're going to have to earn their spot in the squad anymore. And I like that. I am here for that game. Uh, I think we are going to cut it off there, Justin. So, uh, really quick, any last thoughts you want to tack on to uh, Jaswiak or Swiderski coming back? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. it these are big-name signings. These are these are designated player guys. The, so, an attacking system, I think, benefits what we know about them. Yeah. So, we're in an attacking system. Go out and show us that it benefits you. Yeah, I would agree. That is exactly what I want to see. Uh, so for those of you who are joining us for the first time, like we said, thank you so much. Uh, for those of you who have been with us since the beginning, thank you so much. We love you. Thank you for spending your time with us. And we will talk to you again after we go and get three more points. Goodbye for now. Queen City Podcast Network .com.